Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Uh, as Don mentioned, this is the, the final week in the series, Speaking of Jesus, and communicating the gospel, sharing the gospel, uh, is something that we take very serious as a church. In fact, we have uh, an all-church goal uh, mentioned uh, earlier this year. We have a, a church goal this year. Uh, there's some things that, that uh, maybe, maybe uh, COVID took away or some things that, that kind of fell off. We think evangelism is one of those things. And so we want to see uh, people sharing their faith again. We want to see a culture of inviting friends to church. We want to see a culture of regular salvation decisions and baptisms, and we want to celebrate that. And so we think that that starts uh, with this series and, and just raising that topic. What does it look like uh, to be people who are not just disciples of Jesus, but people who are talking about our faith, people who are sharing our faith? Now, we, we know that this series alone is not enough. We don't think we can just talk about something for a few hours and suddenly uh, everything is, is perfect. Uh, but we believe that this series can motivate us and, and push us to, to be people who want to know our creator, who want to, to be in an intimate relationship with Jesus. And we believe when we're in an intimate relationship with Jesus, when our identity is found in him, when we're trusting in him, when we're resting in him, we believe that spills over in our lives and in our hearts. And so we think when you know someone, when you trust someone, when you love someone, you talk about them and, and you communicate about them. And so a couple weeks ago, I just want to review some of the things we've talked about in this series. Uh, Trig kicked our series off, our pastor of groups and outreach, and, and he just took us to this truth. He said, tell other people that they can be made right with God through Jesus. Sometimes people are, are searching, people are looking, and they don't know that Jesus is the answer. And we need to just connect the dots for them and, and make that truth right for them. In week two of this series, we said the gospel compels us to meet people at their need. And we don't always uh, know what someone's need is, but we share the common need that ultimately at our core, we are weak and we are lost without Jesus. And so we must take that to the world. And last week, uh, Trigg focused us again on this concept. The only way to know God is through the cross. And he talked through some major themes of, of shame and guilt and, and reasons that sometimes uh, we, we like to uh, just kind of stay back from, from intimacy with God or believe that Jesus doesn't have a plan or didn't give his life for us. And sometimes we need to work through those things. And this morning we want to talk uh, about a, a slightly different topic, something that, that can, uh, can impact our, our evangelism and the way we speak of Jesus and the way we talk. There are a lot of ways that we speak of Jesus. Some people uh, speak of him and use his name in vain. Some people talk about him, but they talk down to him and talk about the way that he's ruined their life or denying them blessing. We want to be people who uplift the name of Jesus because we know him and because he's transformed our lives and transformed our hearts. And so I want to uh, take us into that topic now. You're going to have to follow me on this story because this is going to sound a little far-fetched. But uh, I, I went to get some new shoes last week. This is the part where you all look at my shoes. But I'm kind of embarrassed to say that because I know the story that they're telling, 
right? They're, they're, they're telling a certain story. In fact, I walked into the, the shoe store and I'd done my research and I, I said to this guy, he's like, hey, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for some hokas. And this is, I, I kid you not, this is his response. He said, oh, are you a nurse or do you have back problems? <laughs> and, and I thought, all right, here we go, right? Uh, I wanted to say, like, neither, but I was like, back problems, you know? And uh, I was kind of honestly excited that he thought I could be a nurse, because I think they're, like, generally healthy, and so he, like, thought I had that look or something, but I was like, back problems. And if you don't know what uh, hokas are, you probably can tell I'm, like, 6'9 up here this week, but um, they have, like, the, the thickest cushion in the world. They're, like, the, the cushioniest, comfiest shoe in the, in the world, and that's what they're known for. That's what they do. And uh, I went in there to get a pair because, yeah, I have a bad back. I'm middle-aged, I have back problems. I don't want to talk about it, all right? Um, but, but here's the thing. It, it, it caught my attention that moment, knowing that we were going to be talking about this, this concept of, of sharing our faith and living on our faith, because everything that we do tells a story. Everything that we do says something, whether we know it or not. The shoes that I buy tell a story about me. The words that I say tell a story about me. The things that I do, my actions, everything tells a story. And I, I think I speak for most of this room when we would say, we want our, our lives to tell a good story. We want our lives to tell a story that matters, that has impact. I want my life as a follower of Jesus to point people to Jesus. I want my words and my actions and the things that I do to point people to Jesus. And so I want us to, to look at a, a passage today that honestly is just going to cover that simple topic. We know that we're supposed to speak of Jesus. We know that we're supposed to be great Christians who, who tell people the gospel, but sometimes we overlook this most simple concept that our, our words and our actions are always telling the greatest story. And if we want to point people to Jesus, if we want our lives to point to Jesus, we don't have to overthink it. We just have to make sure that our life and our words, and our actions, and the way we live are in step with our faith. So I want to invite you to turn to a passage today that we want to look at. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We're going to go through 17, and it's on page 740. If you brought a Bible, if you didn't, there's, there's one under your chair there. I'd invite you to, to grab that Bible there around your chair. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we, uh, we'd love for you to have that. So feel free to take that home. No one will find you at the door and tell you you're shoplifting or anything like that. That Bible is our gift to you. You can take that home and read that because we, we know and trust that there's power in that. We want you to have it. But we're going to be on page 740, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. This is what these words say there. It says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with, one, with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. 
Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Now, the book of First Peter is a, a powerful letter that was written to a, a group of Christians who had kind of been scattered from their, their homeland. They'd been spread out. They had been persecuted and dispersed through the neighboring nations. And, and they were really living out their faith for the first time. And they were, they were struggling to live out their faith. Because when, when they were living out their faith, they were finding that people weren't really fans of their, their faith. And so for the first time, they were facing resistance. They were facing persecution. They were facing frustration. And they, their, their faith wasn't new anymore. And so this letter was written to this group of people to remind them of their DNA, to remind them of their identity in Jesus. And the focus of this letter is just to say, listen, you were chosen by God And because you were chosen by God, because of your identity, because of your DNA, you should live lives that point people to Jesus. You're going to be tempted to be frustrated, to be drugged down, to to not know what's happening when you're facing persecution, but just make sure that you're living out your identity, your DNA, and you're pointing people to Jesus. And so in verse 8, when it says this, finally, all of you should be of one mind, this is a moment of clarity and a moment of encouragement that's telling these believers, listen, listen. We have one mind and one heart, and we should live like that. If you want to know what story your life and your actions and your words are telling, think about what heart you're living out. Now, we've got a a lot of different hearts and heartbeats that we can follow in our current culture. One of those is getting ready to launch for the fall. There's the, the heartbeat of the Ohio State Buckeyes. And you will look around your neighborhood, and you will think, that guy's a little too into the Buckeyes, right? There, there, are, there are things that we get into that we follow and we just think like, yeah, that's a heartbeat, but I don't know if you should be following that. We do the same thing as Christians. Sometimes we define ourselves as parents. Sometimes we define ourselves as, as people that are building their career. This passage is saying, listen, we should be of one mind, not the mind of the world, not the mind that the world is telling us to have, not the mind that would come naturally when we're lost, when we're hurt, when we're scared. The mind that we should be following, the mind we should be focused on is the mind of Christ. And so the question that you have to ask since we're talking about how should our actions look, what story do our actions tell to the world, what does the mind of Christ look like? So this verse goes on to say this, sympathize with each other. I looked up sympathy this week and it just said it's the act of inserting yourself into the joy and sorrow of others. And I don't know about you, but I'm not always great at that. Sometimes people are joyful, and I think, yeah, that's not that impressive. Sometimes people are sad, and I think, like, well, you deserve it. And I know what you're thinking, Mark is a terrible person, and that's true. I think sometimes, though, I'm probably not the only one who has trouble sympathizing with people, inserting myself into the joy and sorrow of others. That's what it looks like for your life and your actions to point people to Jesus. You sympathize with each other. It goes on to say this, love each other as brothers and sisters. Now, we fight with our brothers and our sisters. We don't always get along with our brothers and sisters when we're 5, 25, 45, right? We don't always like them, but your brother, your sister is probably the person that you would call if you were in trouble the most. They're, they're your 2 a.m. friend when your car breaks down and you think like, okay, who can I wake up out of bed? You, you maybe don't want to call that person from work, but you can bother your sister, right? And be like, hey, come and save me. So we're supposed to sympathize with each other, but love each other intimately as brothers and sisters do. 
We're told as Christ followers that we should be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. When we're tender, we're showing concern for others. When we're humble, we're, we're having a modest or low estimate of our importance. Verse 9 goes on to say this, don't repay evil for evil. Repaying evil for evil is what comes natural to us. It's what we're going to want to do, but there's a better way. Verse 9 goes on to say this, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. And so as we try to live in this world, as we try to navigate this world, as we try to be followers of Jesus who are living out our faith, whose actions tell a story, you're going to notice something that people are not always going to be great to you. People are going to be mean. People are going to say things that hurt. And you're going to want to treat them a certain way, and you're going to want to pay them back, and you're going to want to even things up. And this passage is saying, no, 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 don't don't do that. Bless those people. Don't retaliate. Bless people. In fact, this passage goes on to say that's what God has called you to do. It even says, if you want to enjoy life, if you want to see happy days, keep from speaking evil, keep your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil and do good. It says, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. There seems to be a a connection between the way we live and the way God is moving and working through us. I'm not saying that we control God, but I'm saying that in his own words, God is explaining how he's going to work. And he says, I bless people who bless others. I reveal blessing in the face of persecution when you bless others. And so God is watching over people who do right. God is bringing peace and listening to their prayers. And you could sum up these verses in this way. If we want to be followers of Jesus who are living out our faith, whose actions and speech and everything points, points others to, to Jesus, we should do this. We should live different. If we want the world to see Jesus in our actions... We should live different. Our lives should look different than the rest of the world. Our lives should look different than the people who live next door to us. Not just for the sake of being weird, not for the sake of being flashy, not just so we get noticed or because we love attention, but the way we live, the way we operate, the way we talk, the way we love, the way we sympathize, the way we do everything should be so different that people are just like, that's... That's different. There was a, a campaign that Apple did, uh, gosh, probably 20 years ago now. I, I grew up the son of a 1970s and 1980s educator, so I remember when Apple computers came to be, and they were not cool, right? They had a, they had a moment in the beginning, and then they, they fell off pretty bad. And I remember we had an Apple computer at my house, and I was like, Dad, can we please get a Windows computer? It's what all my friends have. It's the coolest. And he's like, no, this is what I use at work. I, I have to pretend that I know what I'm doing here so that I don't look like a fool at work. And I'm like, oh, my dad's the worst, right? And, and then there was a moment when Apple suddenly became cool again, and they did it behind this terminology. They said, think different. And they started comparing themselves to like Albert Einstein and Gandhi and John Lennon and just all these people throughout history that had thought different and done things differently. They said the ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. And most of you probably right now, 
own an Apple device because that think different terminology somehow connected with people. Maybe they didn't want to think different out of the gate, but once enough people started thinking different, they thought, hey, I'm going to be different and do exactly what my friends do and get an iPhone, right? And so it became cool and it became noticeable to think different. We're being called to a similar thing because we are not just robots like the world is programming. We are not just people who are doing what comes natural. We are not just retaliating against people. We are not just doing what we think we should do in our flesh. We are called to live different and speak different and look different. So how do we do that? We love people. Followers of Christ love people. And we're called to be a blessing to people. What does it mean to be a blessing to someone? It just means that you see a need and you meet it. I think sometimes we overthink that. If your neighbor's yard needs mowed, mow your neighbor's yard. If your friend's carrying groceries up to their apartment, you could help them carry those groceries. If you know someone in need of childcare, you could watch their child. If someone needs a pick-me-up and you know that Buying them Chipotle is that pick-me-up. It might just be that simple, but we are called to love people, to bless them, to do good. And this might be new. This might feel weird. It might sound exhausting. It might sound like something that is only for extroverts. And so this passage goes on to say this in verse 13. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? I think some of, some of us think, man, if I start doing good, if I start blessing people, if I start going outside of my, my natural desires, it's going to be so weird and people are going to judge me and people are going to hate me and this think different, live different thing, whew, that, is, that is exhausting. Who's going who's gonna to harm you? Who's going to be mad if you're doing good? It's kind of a rhetorical question because the answer is basically no one. I mean, there might be one or two crazy people that would be like, why are you doing good things for me? And they're going to pretend they're mad, but they're not really mad. This verse is going to say, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So even if there are moments where you're thinking, I'm facing persecution, why am I doing the right thing? Why am I doing a good thing? Why am I loving people? Why am I living differently? You can know and you can trust that God is going to reward you for doing those things. So this passage says, don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Someone might say, don't love me, I'm unlovable. Don't associate with those people. Stop loving those people. Stop acting different. Stop thinking different. Stop living out your faith. It's dangerous. People don't like when you do that. But we're told that we're going to be blessed for it and we don't have to be afraid of the threats of the world. Verse 15 says this, instead, you must worship Christ as your Lord. I love that the word instead there kind of flips this passage on its head. It's saying instead you must worship Christ as your Lord, basically implying that if we're not loving the world, if we're not living to bless the world, we're not really worshiping Christ as our Lord. He was selfless and gave his life on the cross. He lived to bless others. He lived to love others. And if we're not echoing his life and his actions... I don't know that we can say that our lives are surrendered to him. I don't know that we can say that we're following him, that we're living for him. 15 
goes on to say, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. What does it look like for us to have actions that point people to Jesus? We should live different, but also this. We should always be ready to explain your hope. Always be ready to explain your hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is anchored in a life surrendered to Jesus. Left to ourselves, we're lost, we're sinful, we're selfish, and we're walking toward death and separation from God. But God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sin, to draw us back, to bring us back to God so that we could be found in him, so that we could have relationship with him, not because of anything we've done, not because we're perfect, but because we can trust in the work of Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our foundation is in Jesus. Our life is in Jesus. Our anchor is Jesus. So Peter says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain your hope. And here's where I think we get messed up. And this is why I think it's so valuable for us to talk about this passage today. If no one is asking you to explain your hope, you must not be living different. You might not be living different. Because we're told when we're living different, when our lives look different from the world, when our lives look different from the people around us, someone's going to say, hey, what's wrong with that guy? What, what, why are you so different? Why does your marriage look different? Why does your parenting look different? Why are you so involved in the school? Why, are, why do you act like this in meetings and no one else like, acts like this in meetings? Why do you volunteer on the weekends? Why, why is your family so interested in foster care? Why did your family adopt? Why does your budget look different from the world? We are called to live different and function different. I believe that this passage says when we're doing that, the world's going to ask about it. The world's going to want to know what is going on in that person's life. I mean, imagine a world, imagine even a modern America where people would look at Christians and think think like, wow, they're so loving. I think when most people look at Christians or evangelicals, they think like, hey, they vote this way. They don't like this group of people. Imagine if people looked at a group of Christians or Christ followers and said like, look at the way they love. Look at the way they bless people. Look at the way they walk through persecution. Look at the way they refuse to retaliate. Look at the way they live different with hope that I can't explain and I can't understand. So I just want to know about it. I'm going to ask them about that hope because it really stands out. If no one is asking you to explain your hope, you might not be living different. And I don't say that to chastise us today or, 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 or yell at us. I, I just think it's a reality that I sometimes realize in my own life. I wonder when I pull in my driveway and I hit the garage door opener and I, I, I go in and I park my truck and I walk inside, do people see anything different about my life or do they just think like, oh, he's a pretty good guy, pretty nice guy, decent dad, not a terrible husband. Moses Yard keeps his house looking nice. I don't think the cops have ever been there. He's, he's okay. Or do they look at my life and think like there's something different at the art trip's house? Something, something going on there because the way that they laugh and the way that they enjoy each other, the way that they love each other, the way that they entertain, the way that they have people in their home, the way that they're smiling, the way that they're living out their faith, the way that they're blessing the neighborhood, the way that they're interacting with people, the way they live is different, and I want to know about that hope. 
Some of us think of evangelism and we think of speaking of Jesus and we think like that is what extroverts do and that is not my gifting and that's, that's not my calling and I'm not going to do that. I don't think evangelism or sharing our faith is that complicated because I think if we're living different, people come to us. If we're living different and our lives are truly different, we won't have to say, well, I guess I'm going to bring up Jesus at the lunch table today in the break room. No, I think, I think if you're living out your faith, someone's going to say, like, why do, you, why do you do that? Hey, what? How do you, how do you spend your money? Why, why does your budget look like that? Hey, your, your marriage seems to be better than everyone else in the break room. What, what's, what's the secret of your marriage? If we're living the way we're supposed to, if we're living different, I believe the questions will come to us and people will want to know about our faith. Here's a a very integral part. Verse 16 says this, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Sometimes as as Christians, as people who have been transformed by Jesus, we, we let our egos seep into things. And when people say, hey, why is your marriage different? We say things like, well because it's better than yours, because I'm smart and I know how to live. And, I, you know, and we, we want to say things. Or, hey, why do you vote a certain way? And we say, because it's the right way to vote. And, you're a te-, you know, and we, we want to immediately explain the things that make us different. And I love that this passage is quick to say, do this with gentleness and respect. Keep your conscience clear. I read a quote this week that said, if you're giving a defense for the faith and you're not doing it with gentleness and respect, you're not doing biblical apologetics. You're doing something else. And so as you explain your hope, as you explain your life, as you, as you talk about Jesus in a way that's different and stands out to the world, keep your conscience clear so that as people look at you, they can say, I have, no, I have no problem with that person. I might not agree with them. I might not know completely why they're living out their faith, but I have no problem. Live in a way that you won't have to be ashamed about later. Because people are going to speak against you in moments. People are going to say you live differently. People are going to think that what you do is, is dumb. And if, if they're going to speak against you and you're going to live with a clear conscience, there's going to be a moment later where they'll think like I was wrong about that person. I was wrong to speak against that person or speak about that person because their life backs up what they're living. I mean, I'm assuming you've never heard this sentence here. Hey, you know who's a terrible person or who's a terrible person? Mother Teresa. No one, no one ever said that because her life was love. She lived out love. I, I think of an organization here in our community that I've never heard someone say anything bad about. It's an organization called FESTA. It used to be called Sun Ministries. And I've never heard someone say, man, I really wish they would stop loving immigrants. I've never heard someone say like, oh, why does, why does FESTA just obsess over families in need? That is tearing our community apart. Right? There are organizations and people who represent the name of Jesus and represent the, the banner of Jesus and they are doing good and they are blessing people. They are living differently and it stands out and it tells a story and it's getting people's attention. Festa doesn't have to say, hey, can we tell you about Jesus? We want to tell you about Jesus. They're just simply loving people and blessing people and those conversations flow out of that love and blessing. Verse 17 still says this, remember it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. 
I don't want to sugarcoat living for Jesus. I don't think that we can ignore most of scripture. When we see people living for Jesus and the people that this letter was written to tell the story, there are moments that they suffered. And if we're going to have one mind and the mind of Christ, it's going to push us to live differently and a different life is going to get people's attention. In long term, we know that that will be good, but in the short term, you may suffer. And so don't be afraid to suffer. Uh, as, I, as, we, as we wrote that uh, point there, don't be afraid to suffer, I almost thought about putting like suffer in quotations because most of the time when we're suffering, that suffering is rooted in the fact that we've made something into a God. And so when we're suffering financially, there may be moments that we truly can't meet our needs, but often it's because we've made our finances into a God and we've placed that so high in our life that when it gets shaken up a little bit, we say that it's suffering. Often we've made relationships into a God and so when those relationships are shaken up, we think we're suffering and I don't know that we can call everything suffering because we're called to live right, we're called to love people and we're told that we will be blessed when we love people as God wants us to. So here's some, some marching orders out of this passage that I think are, are pretty easy when we think about sharing our faith and speaking the name of Jesus. It's just this, let the world see and hear that your life belongs to Jesus. If I say, hey, this week, share your faith at the water cooler, you're like, eh, I'm not that guy. And if I say, walk over to your neighbor's backyard and say, let me tell you about my faith, you're like, easy, redhead, easy, all right? You're, you're not really up for that. But if we say, let the world see and hear that your life belongs to Jesus, I think there's something that is very accessible about that. Because it's, it's not rocket science to see needs, and it's not rocket science to love people. It's not rocket science to bless people. Sometimes we fight against that, but we know the right thing to do, and we know what it looks like to live differently. So ask yourself, is your life really different? Not just do you have a movement church sticker on the back of your car, but is your life and your actions and your marriage and your parenting and your budgeting and your hobbies, is your life different? Can people look at your life and see that Jesus is part of your life and that Jesus has transformed your life? Will they look at your life and see something so different that they'll say, I've got to ask that guy about that. I, I want to know where he gets his hope or where his confidence comes from. If our lives are different, People are going to ask about our hope. And there might be moments that we suffer, but God says he's going to bless us when our lives tell the story of his love. And so let's be a church whose words tell the story of the love of Jesus and whose actions tell the story of the love of Jesus and whose lives tell the story of the love of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we want to speak of you with our lives and with our words, God, we don't want to just do nice things. We want to speak the gospel. We want to speak the gospel that you came to this world as a baby. You lived a perfect life. And Jesus, you gave your life for us so that we could be found in you, so that we could trust you, so that we could have hope in you. God, we want our lives to point to that truth. We want to point to that story. So God, help us to see needs, to bless people, 
to think with one mind, to live with one mind, to not retaliate, and to live different. So that the world will ask about our hope, so that the world will see your hope in us. Help us to be a church. Tells the story of hope. Lord, help us to be a church and be a group of people that lets the world see and hear that our lives belong to you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.